Well, since we don't have any offertory music, I guess I'll go ahead and get started. But uh, we'll, um, uh, we're going to pick back up in Genesis chapter 17 uh, with our study in the book of Genesis. And we've been looking over the last several weeks at uh, the life of Abraham. And we will continue for the next many chapters to look at his life and the, and the consequences of that and his uh, children and their lives as well. So uh, you might as well get comfortable with Abraham and get, get to know him pretty well because you're going to know just about everything about him after this chapter, I would say. Um, but we're, we've, when we la- last left Abram, he was uh, in the midst of the greatest sin that he's known to have committed. If you remember, his wife Sarah came to him and, and not knowing exactly how God plans to fulfill his purposes to them, uh, she suge- suggests this terrible idea that uh, he lie with their, her maidservant, Hagar, and have a child by her. And then through that, maybe somehow God will complete the impossible task of giving him innumerable offspring and so Abram, being a, a, a gullible man and, and uh, being a sinful man himself, decided to take her up on the offer and he sleeps with Hagar. And immediately after she becomes pregnant, she begins to resent Sarah and Sarah begins to resent her and Abram as a result of it. It causes Hagar to run from her mistress into the desert and when she is Lost and without hope, God finds her. And we saw last time we met that the hero of this story, and really the hero of every story in the Bible, is ultimately God. We have the habit of trying to read some earthly human hero into the story of Scripture. We have a habit oftentimes of trying to read ourselves as the hero of the story of Scripture. And yet we find throughout Scripture that God is the hero of the story. He is the one who does the impossible. He is the one who is faithful when we are faithless. He is the one who carries out His purpose regardless of what we do and regardless of how many times we fail. And so that's the backdrop of Genesis chapter 17. And as we look at the story today... We recognize, first of all, that when we pick up in chapter 17, it appears that God doesn't rebuke Abram for his actions. But uh, we don't find anything like the, a rebuke in his text. In fact, uh, where we pick up today in chapter 17 is 13 years after this incident. And up to this point, God has made a covenant with Abraham two different times. He made a covenant with Abraham first in chapter 12 when Abram was in the land of Ur. And God promised to be a blessing to him and promised that Abram would, as a result of the blessing of God, Abram would be a blessing to the world. And then in chapter 15, he promised again that he would have innumerable Offspring that he would have descendants as innumerable as the stars in the sky. And in fact, God makes a covenant with Abram there by cutting animals in half and walking through the halves of the animals to symbolize God's faithfulness to his covenant. 
So now God is going to reiterate this covenant promise for one last time in chapter 17. And we're going to find that God gives Abram and Sarah a new name, a new sign, and a new promise. So the question that I have for you today is this. Are you being faithful to the covenant that God has made with you? As we think about that question today, I want to look at this text in three parts. I want to look at it as God's covenant name, God's covenant son, and God's covenant promise. And so as we get into this today, I want to read all of chapter 17, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get into those three points. So let, follow along with me as I read Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1. God's word says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you, me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, Abraham, as for, you, uh, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You shall, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money, from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall, know, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, no, but Sarah, your 
wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male uh, among the men of Abraham, Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as, he had, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider your text today, Lord, we know that you are uh, faithful and you are good, that your mercies endure forever. And Lord, that you have made an everlasting covenant with us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we consider this covenant that you made with Abraham, may we be reminded of the covenant that you have made with us and the faithfulness you have for us. But not just that, but Lord, may we be reminded of our calling to be faithful in this covenant, that we would live as a result of the covenant of grace in faithful, godly lives for you. Lord, bless me as I preach. Give me the words to say that would build up and take away those words that would distract or lead astray. And may all things be done for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So as I mentioned earlier, there are three things that I want to see from this text. First of all, that God's covenant name. Secondly, God's covenant sign. And lastly, God's covenant promise. So the first thing that we want to see is God's covenant name. First, God has uh, made Abram wait 13 years since this royal failure that we talked about earlier in chapter 16. But now God is not only going to reiterate the covenant promise that he made in chapters 12 and chapters 15, but he is going to make a permanent change in the lives of Abram and Sarah. The first way he is going to make a permanent change is by changing their names. God changes Abram's name to Abraham. Now this is significant for two reasons. First of all, Abraham's name or Abram's name means exalted father. And that name referred back to Terah, Abram's father. And so the name that Abram has refers to his past. It doesn't refer to what God is going to do, but rather his father before him and who he was back in the land of Ur. And so God changes his name to refer to what God will do in the future, not who Abram has been in the past. And it's also significant because of what it means. 
The name Abram, like I said, means exalted father. But the name Abraham means father of a multitude. At this point, Abram has not, Abraham has not been faithful to keep his end of the covenant. He, now, sure, he went to the land of Canaan. He did initially do what God commanded him to do. But Abram has failed miserably time and time again. Abram is still, Abraham is still living like Abram in the land of Canaan. He's still living as though he is a person from the land of Ur, a pagan from the land of Ur, even though he has been called by God. But God changes his name to foreshadow who Abraham will be because of God's promise in his life. The second way that God is going to change the lives of Abram and Sarah is by putting a time frame on the covenant that he has already made with Abram. Now, it's very easy. You know, Abram might look at the promise that God has made and he might say, well, I don't know when this is going to happen and I don't know how long God is going to be faithful to his promise. And but notice there's one word that God uses two different times in this passage, particularly in verse seven In verse 8, God says that he is going to make an everlasting covenant and that he is going to give Abram's descendants an everlasting possession. You see, regardless of what Abraham does with his name, regardless of whether the child of Abraham, the children of Abraham are faithful, God is still going to bless them. God is still going to be faithful to his covenant promise. And how long is that going to be? It's going to be forever. God has made a promise and he will not go back on his promise to Abraham. The second thing that we see in this text is God's covenant sign. Now, this is a very difficult subject to talk about. And you notice as we go through this text, as I read through this text, the vast majority of the text deals with one particular thing that Abraham was supposed to do. And it figures heavily into the story of Abraham, and it figures heavily into the rest of the Old Testament. So I'm sorry, I know it's a little sensitive, but we have to talk about this sign that God gives to Abraham. God gives Abraham as part uh, of this covenant that he has given to him a part that he has to play now. God gives him a command, a sign that he wants Abraham to carry out for all of the generations of his descendants. Now, before the covenant that God gave to Abram had no conditions. But now God puts a condition, a sign on the covenant. God is giving his covenant a sign. And that sign is circumcision, which is the removal of the foreskin from the male's private area. So there's a big question that comes up with this. Or really it's two questions. First of all, why does God give this covenant a sign? And secondly, why does it have to be circumcision? Now, I believe there are two answers to that question. First, 
Even though God's promise to Abraham is unconditional, Abraham can still royally mess up his life. Yes, God is going to be faithful to his promise, but Abram's life so far has been one mistake after another. So much so that he has created for himself this dysfunctional family that has basically two wives with children from two different households. He, he has royally messed up the, the promise that God has made. Abram received the promise of God. He packed up his family and moved to Canaan. But there really has been no difference in the life of Abram from when he left. He was still a liar, he was still a coward, and he's still an adulterer. So God gives Abraham this sign that he is to keep throughout all of his generations as a way to set the children of Abraham apart from all other nations. Now I think we understand signs better than we might admit. Because every one of us has signs that we either take on for ourselves or we are given that signify who we are and set us apart in some way. In fact, I am, and you, many of you men and women are, wearing a sign of a covenant that we have, right? You're wearing the sign of the covenant of marriage. And this ring right here is very important. In fact, uh, when my wife and I were first married, uh, we, uh, you know, had just uh, gotten together and were, had never lived with each other and we didn't know much about each other. And, and I uh, go, we had spent a couple of nights together and I go to take a shower and I take my ring off and I set it on the counter before I go in, into the bathroom to take a shower and she stopped me. She said, wait a minute, what are you doing? And I said, uh, going to get a shower. And she said, why did you take your ring off? And I said, because I'm going to get a shower. And she said, you don't ever take off this ring. And I didn't know you could shower with a ring till then. You know, I, I, I was completely innocent in it. But, you know, my wife would get a little upset if I just said, you know, honey, you don't need a ring to know that I love you. And I don't have to wear this ring to, to stay committed to you, right, ladies? Y'all would get a little upset if your husband all of a sudden just said, I'm going to put this in a drawer and start living as though, uh, or walking around without this covenant sign. We understand that covenant sign. We understand that signs matter. In fact, many times people, uh, when they hit a milestone in their life or they uh, make it all the way through boot camp or they turn 21, they might run out and get a, a tattoo, right? My grandfather has a tattoo on his arm of the, Navy, of the seal of the Navy that he got when he finished boot camp in, uh, right before or during World War II. And uh, he said he re was one of the biggest regrets he ever had because as he aged, that the, the tattoo just turned all blue. So you can't tell what it is anymore, you know, but it's a sign of his accomplishment of passing boot camp. Uh, when I graduated from Auburn, I received a sign of my accomplishment. I received a degree. These signs tell others that we're different, that we've done something, that we belong to someone else. 
In the same way, the covenant of circumcision was to be a sign that the children of Abraham were different. But it was also to serve as a reminder to those who received it. Now, I don't want to be too crude here, but just to be frank, there is no more important thing to a man than this particular part of his body. Men will do whatever it takes to avoid pain in this area. If that part of a man's body that is most important to him and most sensitive and most attended to is marked for God, then that man should have a constant reminder of the covenant that God made with him. So the purpose of the sign of circumcision was to be a reminder to the descendants of Abraham and a sign to the world that God had given them an everlasting covenant. There is one last thing that I want to point out before we move on from this sign. And it's something that I'll circle back to in just a little bit. It is significant that the sign of the covenant involves the shedding of male blood. Do not miss the fact that in order for the covenant to be sealed, male blood had to be shed. Like I said, that's going to come back up in just a second. So the final point that I want you to see is God's covenant promise. God doesn't just stop with changing Abraham's name. Now he also commands Abraham to go and change Sarah's name as well. He wants her, to, uh, her name to be changed from Sarah to Sarah. Now, when we read this, we expect some magical difference to be found in the definitions of the name, much like uh, Abram to Abraham. You know, there's a significant difference from uh, exalted father to father of a multitude. But the interesting thing about Sarah is the name Sarah and the name Sarah mean the same thing. They both mean princess. But the issue is not so much in the definition of her name, but in the background of her name. Who gave Sarah her original name? Her daddy and her mama. The name Sarah was tied back to her family lineage. The name Sarah as princess means child of a wealthy family, so to speak. But now God changes the spelling and the pronunciation of her name so that she is no longer the princess of a wealthy family, but she is the mother of royal blood. She is now, uh, again, not just uh, a woman that has a past, but rather a woman that has a future. I want to wrap this up by restating the question that I asked at the beginning. Are you being faithful to the covenant that God has made with you? Now understand that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has made an everlasting, unconditional covenant with you. There is nothing that can pull you out of the hand of God. And God promises that He will finish the work that he began in you. In fact, remember I said that it is important to note that the shedding of male blood was the sign of God's covenant to Abraham. And in the same way, the shedding of male blood 
is the sign of the covenant that God has made with us. Jesus told his disciples as they gathered together in the upper room at the Last Supper, this cup is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Jesus seals and secures an everlasting covenant for us with his blood. But brothers and sisters, just as Abraham was called to uh, called by God to walk after him and to be blameless before him as a result of this good covenant of grace, we too have a calling to walk with God and not with the world. John tells us in 1 John that we should walk in the light as he is in the light. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, when we were baptized into Christ, we died to sin. So we should be different. Just as circumcision was a sign to the world that God had made a covenant with Abraham, the fact that we act and live differently should be a sign to the world that God has made a covenant with us. In fact, we take a sign that symbolizes that very thing. You ever wondered why Baptists make, a such, a, make such a big deal about baptism? It's because baptism shows the world and reminds us that we have died to our sin and now we live in Christ. Baptism is the sign of the new covenant. It's something that we take on as a reminder to us and an evidence to the world of who we are, that we are now different. But I'm afraid so often we aren't different. Now, I'm not talking about some hidden sin that you have, some drinking habit or some uh, other habit that you might have. I'm talking about the fact that so often Christians can be meaner than a cottonmouth moccasin to other Christians and to the world, to lost people. I'm talking about the sad fact that many people don't want to darken the door of this church or any other church because of the way Christian people have acted to them in the past because Christian people didn't act like Christ. John says in another place in 1 John, they will know we are Christians by our love for one another. If we are to be faithful to this covenant that God has made with us, then we should be living as Christ called us to live. We should love our neighbors and our enemies. We should do good to the ones that despise us. We should give to anyone who asks. The sign of the new covenant is a changed heart. Are you being faithful to the covenant that God has made with you today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good covenant, this covenant of grace that you have made with us. And Lord, through the shedding of a perfect sacrifice, the shedding of blood of the perfect sacrifice of your son, you have secured the covenant and all of its promises to us. And Lord, you have made this covenant unconditionally with us. It is not based on anything that we do, and it's not based on anything that we can do to earn the covenant that you have made with us. And yet you call us to live faithful lives in response to this covenant of grace. So, Father, may we see Abraham as our example.
The one who has a name that is changed. The one who has a sign that is given to him. And the one who has a promise, an everlasting promise that is secured by your work alone. So, Father, may we walk in faithfulness. May we trust you regardless of what this life may bring. And may we live uh, as an example to others of a faithful life that is secured through the covenant of grace. Pray all these things in Christ's name.